Welcome to season seven of Savvy Talk. I'm excited to bring you the leading voices from those shaping Dubai's cultural scene. Today we're sitting with um, Zahra, cooking with Zahra. I just called her the Martha Stewart of the Middle East, or like Martha Stewart, watch out, because we got someone who we're really proud of here in the region, who not only uses food to connect with people, um, but to share the culture and to really warm people's bellies and hearts. Uh, I'm very delighted to be joined today by Zahra. Thank you so much for having me, Maha. I'm so excited to be here with you. <laughs> I, I'm like, I've been following you on social media for a long time. I have failed at many of your recipes, oh, but yes. I think if I have the cookbook in front of me, I'll probably be able to do a better job. But let's start by telling people your story because you are multicultural in how you cook and in your approach. But tell us a little bit about your background and your personal story. So um, I'm half Iranian, half Sudanese. The Iranian side is pure Iranian. The Sudanese side is a mishmash of so many cultures. Um, my father's, most of my grandfather's originally Indian of Indian descent from Goa. So we've got some Portuguese blood in there. Wow. <laughs> And then my grandmother is originally of Egyptian descent uh, from Alexandria. And so Sudan was the melting pot of cultures. And I just got to be part of that little mix of different flavors. And um, I'm married. I have three beautiful boys, boys and a little dog, Luna, who's my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted a little girl. And now is, you got this, one. This is how I got one. And um, my husband's Palestinian, Jordanian. So we represent, we represent the region. Uh, I was born in London. I grew up in Canada, Vancouver. And Dubai's been home for nearly 19 years now. And and how did that upbringing uh, affect how you approach everything from cooking to your children to... I went from not belonging to fully belonging. Because coming from such different cultures, different languages, um, it's always hard to kind of find a way to fit in. And I struggled with that. But I think when I went to university is when that little switch turned. And all of a sudden, I was just really, like, I really was happy what I was, what embodied who I was. And I just started to begin my journey of kind of accepting my identity and, and then just thriving and growing from it. And I've just been growing since. Isn't that interesting that like what makes you different when you're younger, you're like, I just want to fit in like everybody else mm -hmm. and I don't want to stand out. But then when you come to terms with how your uniqueness is your power, that it becomes like your superpower and you become really proud of being different because it's what makes you unique actually. Yeah. I mean, I was, there were times where I wasn't dark enough and there were times when I wasn't fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and when I speak Farsi, it's like, oh, you're singing. And when you're speaking Arabic, oh, you're talking in a very rough language. And it's like, no, I mean, I am all of these things and I'm very proud of all of them. And I think that really directs where I am today. And the, so my food is my medium, but there are so many undertones of messages that I share. And I try not to be very, this is what you must think and this is what you must do. But I'm very much about, here's a scenario, here's a situation, here's an idea, think about it, enjoy it. Here are the ingredients, make what you will yeah. based on those ingredients. Yeah. What are some of the underlying messages and stories you like to share? So this book is about polarities. This book is about a celebration of Eastern and Western cultures. It's a celebration of traditional and modern 
experiences. Um, and I think for, and it's really interesting that the year this book came out was this the one year, here. Yeah. Cooking, the with cook, cooking with Zahra. The year cooking with Zahra came out was the year of tolerance for the UAE. So it was just so like serendipitous that this book that had so much mess, key messages happened to, to come. Be. Yeah. At the same time. And, um, and it's also like, if you're a traditionalist, you're not going to like my book because I'll do things with a little twist. But it's, 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 I think that's the, the evolution and the, and the infusion and the, and the modernization of the recipes and the simplicity of the recipes that I'm trying to push forward. Don't complicate things. And if you can take that attitude with food and apply it to, to your life. Things, yeah, it's cool. It's got a message. Yeah. And you're expressing yourself in a way that relates to a lot of different people. Yeah. How has food been a vehicle for you to tell stories? Um, I've always been a feeder. I mean, one of my fondest memories is uh, when I was in university, we had a lot of international students. And I somehow got into this tradition of hosting them once a year and making a list of their favorite dishes and getting my mom and my grandmother in the kitchen. All right, we're cooking up a feast and everyone would get excited about it because they just walk in and get embraced by that whiff of home. Mm -hmm. And so I love what food does, how it makes people feel. Um, I actually don't cook for myself. <laughs> really? If I'm alone at home, I'll just have bread and cheese and I'm happy. Give me some good salted butter, some nice slices of cheese, a cup of tea, and I'm happy. Yes. But when I have people coming over, and especially if I love them, oh boy, the <laughs> flavors and the motions and everything just comes through. So I always say food is my artistry, my therapy, and my way of connecting with people. Um, in the book, I share my experience with cancer. I was pregnant with my third child and I uh, had thyroid cancer. And so I had to find a way to not allow this news affect my mental well-being because it was really important for me to have a healthy, positive energy space for my baby. baby. Yeah. So um, for me, I needed, but once I came out of it, and once I did the, sur the, the surgery and once, so I gave birth, I had my surgery, then I had my radiation. I never really had an opportunity to sit down and mourn what happened to me or grief what happened to me. And I think only just recently I've started to acknowledge what I had dealt with. Um, and food saved me. Food saved you. Yeah, food, getting back into the kitchen, just cooking and feeding people just saved me. And I think it's just that, process of sharing that experience and kind of changing the the discourse of what a kitchen should mean to what it can be. It's not a woman's place. It's a space of love. It's a place for family. It's the soul of a home. It's nurturing. And so it's really exciting when I hear women say, oh, I hated the kitchen, but now I like it, you know, and I'm in, in it. And my husband's with me and my kids are with me and we're cooking together. Um, people who went through COVID I was going to ask you about COVID. Oh, my COVID was amazing because I had my grandmother in lockdown with me and she became everyone's grandmother. Yes, I saw her in your videos. <laughs> she was funny. I got a yelling for bringing the wrong kind of spinach one day. <laughs> it was cute because that's grandma. Grandma yeah. is like all about love and and all of that. So, so food was my therapy. Food is my artistry. It's my creative space. And it's my way of connecting with people. Um, I wanted to share one really interesting story about the cookbook, about yeah, I talking about um, subtle ways where you change 
behaviors. behaviors and views. We as as a, a culture are very perfectionist. If we don't do something perfectly, we just don't do it. And it's very intimidating and very threatening. And what I hope is I try to keep a casualness of how I present my stuff. I'm always in a t-shirt and jeans. My hair is can be up, down, yeah. makeup sometimes, no makeup. Yeah. Because what I'm trying to share is that don't be threatened by this space. This is an, it's a very loving and 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 a beautiful space. And I remember when we were doing it, the beetroot salad photo shoot with the food stylist, she went and like had a drop of the beetroot sauce yes. on the uh, like a nice crisp white linen napkin and I panicked. I was like, "Oh my god, Rindy, what are you doing? We cannot have a red, red dot." dot. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "Why? It's natural when you serve. It's natural for a drop to go on a napkin." And I was like, yeah, 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 but we can't. Messy, we messy, can't yeah. do it. And it signifies symbols. It's just not good. But I walked away. I ended up not using the the messy picture for the yeah, final photo. The photo. But I did walk away learning something that day where we need to share the messaging of just, it's okay. It's okay. If it's messy, if it's okay, if it's not perfect. Life is messy. Life yeah. is not perfect. It's authentic yeah. to how things happen in the kitchen. People spill things. Yeah. I love the fact that you cook with your family. Yes. How is that part of your story and narrative to share the experience with others? I feel for me, food is my identity and it's my source of self-worth because every recipe has history, has traditions, has culture. And... I'm a very proud tribal personality character and um, and food is what sustains it. And so when I bring my family and my children in there, when I cook for them those meals, when I make sure that I have those family gatherings, like I grew up in Sudan, Friday lunch. Friday lunch, of course, tradition. Everyone gets together. Yeah. No one misses it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I loved it. It was my favorite part of the, the week. week. Yeah. And, you know, living in Dubai, sometimes you don't have so much close family. So you have friends that become family. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to create that that vibe, that energy, that 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 uh, sentiment. So they remembered, you know, Mama had family over, Mama had this, and I remember my friends, and I remember my cousins, and I remember I wanted that energy yeah. to be. So it's about sharing my history, my culture, my memories, and my husband's because I learned a lot from his mom, of course, and and just teaching about our history through food. Do you think that? Um Cooking is a skill that people are doing more of or less of? I'd like to believe more of. Um, I'd like to believe more of. I think with social media, everything is just so much more accessible. And you've got so many different styles of cooks. Um, I'm a person that is not a trained cook. You just practice by getting in the kitchen, getting your hands dirty, trying yes. things, experimenting. Yes. And... Actually, there've been there've been times where people said, "Why don't you go to culinary school?" And at one point, I was very, I did consider doing it, but actually, today I I intentionally choose not to, and the reason why I don't want to because then it sends the message that you can only be a good cook if you go to culinary school. Yeah, yeah. and I think that there are a lot of people that love to cook, whether for professional for 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 personal reasons. They don't need to feel like they need some kind of stamp of approval to give them 
the permission to to do to to call themselves a cook. This cookbook was the biggest testament for me. Uh, it took three years of finally convincing myself that it's okay for me to write a book, even though I didn't go to culinary school. Let's talk a little bit about the process of the cookbook. Okay. What was that like? And how did you decide, like you were just saying, like you didn't feel like you were worthy yeah. of having a cookbook because yeah. you weren't a chef, a yeah. culinary chef. Yeah. What's what the process like? Um. So after cancer, I met my friend Helen, which I know you're a yeah. friend of. Love her. And I had, I didn't personally know her. Like we never met, but we followed, I followed her journey. And so I messaged her one day. She had finished on Iron Man. She climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah, she's she, unbelievable. She did all these amazing things. And I called her. I'm like, Helen, I need to meet you. <laughs> I need help, please. So Helen started me on a journey of dreaming again. And so then one day I start, wrote my book of dreams. And then I started creating an outline. One, so amongst them was hosting my own cooking show, um, writing a cookbook, um, you know, just growing my followers on social media. Yeah, yeah. that's what I want to talk about. And, and then um, I got the call. We'd like it to be on NBC3 for this uh, show called Khatawat uh, Nama, Gentle Steps. I was like, okay. And then literally a few weeks later, hi, we'd like it to be on Yomi at Maggi, uh, Maggie Diaries, yeah. uh, which is going to be aired on NBC1. I was like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> like literally weeks apart. Yeah. Um, and I signed up and I did it. And we were managing the scheduling because the Maggie, the Maggie, uh, Diaries, uh, Maggie Diaries was was over six months. We traveled to five countries around the world, 20 days per country. So between that and managing this, I did it. And I was like, oh, I can wow. do it. <laughs> so on the last leg before we finished filming, um, so we had finished in Beirut. I came back and I went to motivate and I said, my wheels are turning and I'm not going to stop. Good. So I signed. I signed the contract. I said, I'm going to write this. And so then I went to Saudi and we filmed the next 20 days and I'd film, I'd come back to my room and I'd write. And I literally put together, I had obviously a lot of recipes yeah. compiled, but I just put everything together. And within four weeks, I you had a first done? draft out. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was very preliminary, yeah, still. but it got me onto that accountability Process, yeah. yeah. And I said, I want to get it done by this day. And I'm a very goal-oriented person. Like the day that I finally write it down, that I'm going to do it, it gets done. Yeah. But I just need to write it down. <laughs> and so I think it, it's 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 this gradual growth of confidence in self-belief. And so it was one thing that led to the other. And then finally having, taking the, the leap of faith. But it was also the acceptance that this book is for me. I might get five it's, books sold or I might yeah. be, but we were just telling you today it's sold out. We can't get it. In. <laughs> it's such exciting news. I didn't realize that. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And you have a huge following on social media. I do. So how does that work? Like you have to obviously create in the kitchen because you have to cook meals and create products and recipes and cook for your family. And, and you actually have to now learn how to film it and lighting and where's the camera going to be. And how do I explain the steps? Because you may just have a recipe and just taste it as you go. Like, yeah. 
how does that work to create content and what is that process like for you? And it's, it's a lot, right? And who edits and how do you do all of that? So it's what started off as just very casual filming. Um, you it, were doing it yourself? Um, no, my sister used to have a photography company, so I would guide her, ask her team, can you come and help me, please? Um, but in COVID, I did actually film my own stuff. So I realized, oh, I can do it too. Yeah. But I prefer someone else to, to do it. Yeah. Um, but today we have, we are, we have a team of five people and we produce the content internally. Actually, I have two businesses. So I've got uh, Cooking with Zahra, the content creation company, but I also have Zahra's Kitchen, which is a frozen food. Yes, a line. Uh, line. Yeah. yeah. So this team, we we manage both at the same time. So we went from being very haphazard about how we do things to now we plan things two to three months in advance. We've got schedules. We've reduced the amount of content that we create per month. So we went from just posting random pictures to three key, uh, 12 key recipes, video content that we produce every month. 12 recipes a month? 12 minutes. That's a minimum, unless there's like some extra, which, but Ramadan, for example, we have 30 days of Ramadan. So we always do 30 days for that. Um, and then we're, I'm relaunching my blog. So we've hired a, a blog, um, designer who, who who focuses primarily on food blogs in New Zealand and they're responsible for some of the top global oh wow blogs my aim is to be, to be a blog to be a leader within our yeah. region yeah um because you know what we don't have ad thrive and we don't have any of these advertising spaces that are being used yeah and I'd hopefully like to open that path for other bloggers as well and hopefully inspire them to also take it seriously because we went through a whole insta blogging and that was the focus of it not so much back to the traditional blog, blog. website you get on it you look at your recipes you yeah. download them yeah tell you what to go buy from the yeah. grocery store so we've got the blog and then and and the video content that we create and we're just building that and the aim is that we're going to feature and support the clo the local community like i'm about enabling and pushing a lot of other food bloggers, but also a lot of people within the foodie space and also non like tastemakers, like yeah, people right. making a difference to to the landscape. What about local ingredients? Are you are you struggling to find local ingredients or how are you infusing them into what you're doing? So when I when I infuse local ingredients, it's more about flavors. Yeah. So for example, uh, in the book there is a parsnip hummus. So parsnip isn't a typical recipe that we use in this part of the world. It's a very much of a Western Western, Western um, ingredient, but I make a, a, a nice hummus with parsnip, but then date molasses, which is a very typical thing in the Middle East. Thing course. in the Middle East. So it's the date molasses with the Western ingredient and then the tahina sauce and chili and cumin. And the flavors when combined are just beautiful. And people like look at it and like, I don't know if that's gonna be. And then they try that like, oh wow. And it's so easy to make done part of my repertoire what's your favorite thing to make oh that that one i struggled to think about the answer yeah my favorite things to make are many things if i was going to do like my iranian theme night yeah I, i'd love to make um fesenjun which is a beautiful slow walnut stew with meatballs uh, with nice rice um, my sour cherry jam rice with meatballs 
really yeah. good. Um, my grandmother's um, shirin polo, which is a jeweled rice with almonds and pistachios and barberries with saffron and saffron chicken. When it comes to Middle Eastern food, I love masakhan. Masakhan is so good. Explain to listeners what masakhan is. So masakhan is a traditional Palestinian dish, mm -hmm. and it's usually made when they harvest the olives towards the end of October, November. And this is a dish that is traditionally made to gauge on the quality of the olive oil. So you, if the olive oil is good, your dish is going to be amazing. And, and basically what it is, is slow braised onions. And I braise mine for like five, six hours. So it has a beautiful caramel sweet flavor that comes out. And then you put a lot of some, which is this tart, um, lemony flavored spice. And then I mix it and I serve it with uh, slow braised chicken. So I cook it very different yeah. than the traditional way, but the end result, and then you have to take the taboon bread and uh, it's like a very a, a typical Palestinian flat, flat bread, and you have to dip it in the olive oil. So just like, you know, like it's soaking. Dip into it. You make it once a year because it's super fattening, <laughs> but it's so good. Tell me a little about the Feeding Your Soul project. Oh, wow. That was a very interesting and exciting project. Initially, Emirates Lit Fest approached me and they said, listen, we do the CSR activity with Dubai prisons where they have a project called From the Inside Out. And initially it was uh, writers would go in and offer writing workshops to the inmates so that they could just um, let, let uh, get their creativity out, out yeah. and to give them tips on how to write. But this year they decided let's do a workshop around cooking. So I walked in initially with the intention of just purely hosting workshops and we hosted four workshops two in the men's prison two in the women's um and in on each day we did uh, in each space we did one uh, one session in english and one session in arabic and um so that project evolved into a cookbook and so when we went to uh, host the workshops while the food was cooking, we asked the inmates to share their stories. And so the 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 the, the way the, the workshop was designed was, I want to share my memories and feed it to them. And I was hoping that they could share their memories. The point was to remind our readers of the book that just because they did something bad, they're not bad people. They're people who- Made mistakes. They made mistakes, but they come from, they come from families they have people that love them, you know, they, they're, they're beautiful people. They're, they have smiles, they have dreams, like passions, aspirations that are similar to yours and mine. Mm -hmm. And no one wakes up or gets brought into this world saying, hey, I want to go to prison. You know, when you remember that and you maintain a humility about that, then there's a humility about how you can treat see them. them and treat them. And what's really exciting is that this initiative turned into the book. So we compiled 30 recipes from 30 inmates and we had recipes from Brazil, from Yemen, yeah. from Philippines, from Bangladesh, from the UAE, from just all around the world. And beautiful souls, beautiful spirits, just beautiful energy, beautiful food. My favorite was this uh, Palestinian uh, chef, this Palestinian inmate. He was like, you know, I remember when my mom used to make matluba, which is um, yeah. a, a typical dish made with eggplants and aubergines and layered rice and meats that turned upside down because matluba means upside down. And he says, you know, I, I, my fondest memory is my mom frying cauliflower and me running in and just, 
you know, picking at her cauliflower and her snapping my hand. And I thought, you know, I could see my husband doing that and I can see my mother-in-law, you know, slapping his hand. And these are those little memories that just give them a human, humanity Nudge. to them. Yeah. yeah. And so they were very proud when they got their books. We gave it to them. You could see that, oh, that excitement, the same excitement I had. The when pride. I, yeah. So anyways, we got the book, we gave it to them. Beautiful initiative. What's exciting now is that they're going to be building two kitchens, one in the men's facility, oh, wow. one in the women's facility. And the plan is that in the next few years, they're going to bring an international accredited, external accredited school to give the inmates cook, cooking, uh, cooking classes. classes so that they can go out of prison and get jobs. So it's part of the rehabilitation process. I love that story. Yeah. Yeah. Food, food is um, it's therapy. I find sometimes, like I mean, especially in the pandemic, everyone was like, "Let's make sourdough bread," yes. and like everyone would go into the kitchen, yeah, to create, yeah, because it gives them a sense of accomplishment and a, a sense of it's nurturing. Yeah. It's it's love. Like when you're in the kitchen and you create something that you or your family enjoy, it makes you feel good yeah. serving them and please, ple you know, pleasing them by serving them something that you've made with your own hands. Similar to the story now of the prisons, yeah. like. You're going to give them skills. Yeah. Cooking is a skill. Yeah. And they can use that anywhere that they go because everyone needs to eat. Yeah. It's a universal thing that's not going to go out of style. Yeah. How do you think um, food in general and, and your time in the kitchen can be a positive message for people who aren't really finding their passions? It's funny, sometimes I um, I ask friends or people who don't like the kitchen, and I, I'm curious to ask them, why don't you like the kitchen? And the ones that are the hardest to change are the ones that are associated to some sort of trauma. The ones that are, there's space to change are just societal perceptions where you are challenging. Um, and also reminding that doesn't matter how good of a cook you are, you can still make mistakes and you can still burn food and there can still be blunders. Um, it's true, it's true. And, and I think it's just kind of slowing down and reminding people, you know, just go and make a peanut butter and jam sandwich. And you know what? That's just love. That in itself is love. Go, you know. It's nostalgia, it makes you feel good. It reminds you of your childhood. Yeah, yeah. Pancakes, something simple like pancakes or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's just changing, changing the, the the association to food. Do you see yourself as a um, a chef or as a content creator or as an author? Or I struggled with defining myself for a very long time, and people were like, "What do you do?" I'm like, uh, "I'm a blogger." I am a blogger. Yeah, you are a blogger. Um, I'm a content creator. Yeah, uh, I'm a cookbook author, and. Today, I can add food entrepreneur on the list. Zahra, I really enjoyed having you on the show today. <laughs> food entrepreneur, author of a cookbook, uh, content creator, <laughs> and blogger. We can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Thank you for joining me on Savvy Talk. I'm Maha Bulanain. If you haven't already, make sure you hit the follow button in your podcast app so you know when a new episode drops. You can also follow me on Instagram at Mahagabra for more. Thanks for listening.